0: Hi there, and welcome to another serving of Pagan Gumbo Podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: Let's not make that a feature.
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Should we start over? No. (laughs) Okay. We're just going to keep rolling with this. Hi, I'm Forrest. Good to have you back. I'm here with Michael and Seamus and Sequoia. Um, In a previous recording, we discussed the heart of the Magical Druid Store, which is its public altar and uh, that inspired a further discussion of personal altars. How do you keep sacred space either in your home or maybe in your pocket or maybe just in your imagination? So we're, we're going to talk about our personal altars, how we keep them, what, what they're made of and uh, how they got to be the way they are. So who wants to kick this one off? I will. All right. Michael. So
1: my, my personal altar, I've got several, and I have had several incarnations of mine. I've been doing this Druidry thing for 20-odd years now. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the first thing that I've got, um, and, and the thing that's probably most recognizably mine, are, is actually an Altoids tin, which you mentioned
0: in the last one. <laughs> I must be psychic. <laughs> uh,
1: but I, I, I carry that with me in my backpack all the time and sometimes it is as simple as a box of matches and a uh a candle and sometimes a little bit more elaborate it just kind of depends on which one i've grabbed off the shelf that morning or whatever um, but to me fire at the center is what centers me and so that is the simplest altar that i have is just that um, and i have more complex ones that have like embossed trees on the inside and things for water and stuff like that uh, but that's the kind of the the core of my practice is lighting that candle, lighting that flame, Mm -hmm. which is probably why I do the Flame of Hope stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's what centers me, and that's what a prayer is to me, is lighting a candle and saying something. Uh, But at home, I have what is essentially an old TV nook built into the wall of our bedroom. And when we walked in, the first thing that we did when we bought our house was we, we saw this and we're like, That is an altar space. Uh, And it's built for an old tube TV, so it's deep. Mm -hmm. It's over the stairs that go up to the the second story. And it's full of deity images and spirit images and spirit houses and all sorts of cool stuff like that. Um, And it looks really nice when it's all lit up. And Mm -hmm. it's got a high enough ceiling that it's not going to ever scorch up there because I light a lot of candles on it. Um, And what I do every day when I go to it is I may not light all the candles. I may light one. I may light six. I might light all 13 or 14 of them that there are. I don't actually know how many there are. It takes a long time to light them all. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll do something at the altar every day. And that has been, uh, it's a real centering thing for me to do that. And one of the reasons that I, I do that is because, I have a prayer list. I work through things for people as well. Um, and having that space, that dedicated space is really important. And because it's in the bedroom, it is right where I, I go when I wake up. Mm-hmm. It's on the way to the, the bathroom and the shower. <laughs> it's on the way out the door. There's no idea by it. Um, we also have small areas. I've got Twin five-year-olds. They've each got their own spirit representations. They don't have altars specifically, but they have their spirits, and they know what they are.
0: Awesome.
2: Um,
1: and uh, so they actually sit up on the windowsill. Um, they're there to protect them, keep mm. the keep the bad fairies out. We don't want any changelings.
0: Oh yeah. Some are. days I think
1: I missed them, and they got the changelings. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want any new changelings. <laughs> but, but you might have ended up. We might have better off. We may have. You never know. So, But that's kind of how my, my altar space came to be and how it looks. And one of the reasons that it's high up is because it used to have cats. Yeah. And the oh, cats would yeah. jump up onto it and they would play Godzilla among the gods and <laughs> knock them over. And I glued so many statues back together. But getting it high enough and getting things they could jump off of far enough away
0: uh-huh. was
1: really key to having a consistent altar for me at a certain point.
0: Huh. Very cool. I like how you, you incorporated the, the discussion of, of your kids. I was going to ask if if they had uh, altar spaces or altar workings. That
1: they they use ours. So my kids will, will come in somewhere and they'll say, Daddy, can we pray? And I've got, they're too short to actually get up there, so we'll, like, turn over a laundry bin or something so they can stand on something and, and be almost eye level with it. Um, but I've got great pictures of them, you know, Hands up in the air reaching for the 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 candles and and they like to blow out the candles
0: Yeah, my my almost five-year-old is also very big on blowing out the candles the
1: other thing I'm not big into stones and crystals and rocks, but Mm -hmm. I've got a couple on my altar and they're really into them. Oh, so yeah. to pray, they want to hold a rock, Aww. a stone. Oh, That's
0: my neat. heart. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'm it, loving this. And
1: they pray, and they pray along with me because oh. I pray out loud and the, they know the words that I use. And so they hold their stone and then they blow out the candle and they put the stone back and they're
0: done. Nice. Wow, I love that. Yeah. That is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I also have uh, multiple altars throughout the house um, now. Uh, Back when I started creating kind of that sacred space, portable sacred space, um, back in high school, it started by finding a very odd, out-of-place coin. Um, I think I told you the story. where I, I went to high school, my last two years of high school, I went to a boarding school, and I used to take walks very early in the morning, early enough that I had to get special permission to be outside of the dorms at the time. And on one of my walks, I found... I used to circle an oak, by the way. I feel like that's relevant to, to say. It's certainly relevant. <laughs> <laughs> so I find this amazing uh, large coin with a hole in the center of it that is a British West African penny from 1919. And there is no one around, and I have no idea where this thing came from, but it definitely felt like this is, This means something, so uh, I, I picked it up and put it someplace special and then it was joined shortly thereafter by a feather that I found and then joined shortly thereafter by a almost entirely intact pair of robin's egg halves that had you know, clearly hatched someone and so on and so forth until it became uh, the beginning of my first altar. Fast forward to today, um, I have my Papa Legba altar which sits by my desk, and that is the first one to which I attend every day. He gets coffee before I do. We usually have our first cup of coffee together in the morning. Um, on the weekends, my husband, Josh, will, will uh, make sure that lake gets his coffee, because I tend to sleep in. Um, uh, there is a, a mantle altar that is very long, and so that space is shared by nature spirits, um, by Venusian deities, and by uh, the spirits of children, I have a, a spot that is dedicated to childlike or childhood or the, that kind of innocent energy of, of the the child, capital C, you know, the sacred child. Um, and then finally, there is my storm God's altar, my storm deities. Um, fierce gods and goddesses who help me out with things that need to be disruptive and maybe even destructive sometimes. Um, and quick story: my cats decided last night, as they are want to do, that I needed to do some work at that altar. And so, when I was sitting in the kitchen watching Ant Man and Wasp again, uh, they started knocking things over. Now, they, like you, you know, generally are kept away from from altar stuff and they generally kind of mind their own business when it comes to the altars strangely enough, but to that night last night they decided they were just going to start knocking shit down pardon my french so i come out and i'm like well, what are you guys doing and they're like oh you know just knocking stuff over oh hey by the way we're just going to sit here really really majestically flanking your your cauldron so we want you to burn something right here on this altar it was it was clear that there was an intention here so i I did it it's like all right cool thanks guys i feel like we've we've done the work and it felt very complete and very guided um for the most part like i said they they do stay away from all of the altar spaces but it was one of those shining moments in my life where it was like wow this stuff is real (laughs) you know i think it's good and sane and um pragmatic to occasionally doubt or at least second guess uh some of the things that we think about and and consider in paganism and and uh, our faith but man you know once in a while it just knocks you right upside the head it's like oh yeah no <laughs> sure does. no I'm a real thing I'm a real thing I'm going to make you do something right about now so mm-hmm. uh but those spaces are anchors in in our home and yeah my my little guy Definitely finds them fascinating. Um, he keeps a healthy distance from them, especially when there are candles going on. He likes to berate me about having candles lit. He, he doesn't like that all the time. Um, yeah, that's that's altars in my house.
3: Sequoia? Yes, um, well, I have graduated now to multiple altars, but mm-hmm. my first one was Winter's Solstice 2017, mm. when... I was like, yes, I am about this life. Like it was like <laughs> kind of like answering a call and I was getting I was just uh had just got away from this horrible man. Never should have gave my time to. So it was like therapeutic making that altar cuz it was like the end of him and the beginning of this, you know. So um now I have multiple ones. Uh let's see my deities. I have a uh, I love the Hindu pantheon. So Shiva's up there, um Kali then I have a lot and mother mau as well. I love lunar deities. Um like yours, like on the way out, it's right there, like it's just like the first thing I see when I wake up before I go to bed, it's my space. And it has a different feel than other areas of the house. Mm-hmm. Like, and people will come in my room like, oh I just I want to stay in here. I was like, I made it that way. <laughs> like that's how <all> I <laughs> want it to be. Like, and then the people who aren't meant to be in there, they're uncomfortable. And I'm like, good, you know, it's working. You're not supposed to be in here. So alter space. I encourage it for anyone. And mine are elaborate because I'm an artist and I like things. So I like to design them a certain way, but it doesn't have to be like, like that. Like you said, it could be simple, like an altoid scan.
0: Yeah. It's cool though that you acknowledge that your artist nature is going to Make it necessary and feel correct that you have like an elaborate, well-designed altar. I like, mean mm-hmm. that's that's right for who you are. All right, Seamus, what about you? Okay,
2: I'll be quick as I can. We start at the front door, right outside the front door is the um, first Thor's stone that's been carved. And at the feet of that or at the foot of that stone is the um, what we call the foundation rock. For the house, we pour all of our offerings over that stone. That's in the front garden. You walk through the front door. Behind the front door is a half wall that goes to what would have been a front room. On that half wall is an Alegua um, uh, area. Inside that room is where the piano and the fish tank is, and that's where Yomaya altar is, the shrine there. You walk through the gallery kitchen, and beside the gallery kitchen is where the Bridget altar is, into the dining room, outside of the dining room, right by the living room, or the, the the family room, is where the ancestor altar is. Go into our bedroom, that's where Lisa's working altar is. If you go upstairs, there is an Odin altar and a Lou altar in the loft. If you go into my room, which used to be my mother's room, there's an... Uh, That's where Chuck lives. So I have um, an altar to hell, an altar to tear, an altar to ancestors, an altar to Morrigan, an altar to Lou, an altar to uh, animal spirits, and an altar to the spirits of inspiration.
0: And for those who do not know who Chuck is, who is Chuck?
2: Chuck is my skull. All right. Um, he lives with uh, he lives on the um, ancestor uh, shelf in that particular room. So it, it it was a bedroom that's been converted to nothing but altar space all the way around it. Um,
3: oh, goals, and, yeah, total <laughs> goals, goals,
2: and and it's still not done, but that that's that's where we're heading. And then if you go back downstairs and out through the dining room, at the back gate at the side of the building is the gatekeeper shrine. If you go to the back south, east corner is where the Thor shrine is. If you go to the north uh, corner, is there uh, an ancestor? Uh, The other north corner is, I think north corner is the... Um, nature spirits. The other back corner is the Bridget shrine. There's a grandfather tree, which is a dogwood tree, beside the Moon Garden, which is all lunar deities.
3: Whoa! I
2: have to see this. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I got everything.
0: Wow. Well, okay. So, note to self: start bugging Seamus about throwing a party because yeah. I need to see all of these sacred spaces. <laughs> An entire room dedicated to nothing but altar space. Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty rad.
1: So
2: you can have a wide variety of options. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you just become a slave to taking care of all of them, Mm -hmm. which it's fine. That's the devotion that we have. Mm -hmm. But uh, it can wear you out. And I will admit there's sometimes I don't work with hardly anything at home because I come in here and work at our altar every day. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's days where, you know, I'll go a week without talking to Chuck and I'll hear about it. Oh, Uh, yeah. To, to that point, I do think that
1: taking a vacation sometimes from devotional is actually healthy and therapeutic, and I recommend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I agree. A planned vacation, not an unplanned vacation where you forget to do stuff, but a planned one. Mm-hmm. If you do, you do before forget, before. though, you can do a mulligan ritual and start over. Yes, or a piacular offering. A piacular what offering. What yes. is a
0: piacular offering?
1: It's an offering made in the event of offense to spirits. <gasps> ah, it's very common in Roman stuff.
3: Yeah, because I, I forgot Aleppo was Monday one time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it didn't go well. Like, I was, <laughs> I knew that it was not good. So I had to, like, give him that time. Oh, Because yeah. it's every Monday faithfully. Mm-hmm. And this is one Monday I was like, nah. <laughs> and it just, I felt disrespected. So but I definitely made up for it. So. Very cool. Yeah, you
2: know, we do Sundays at our house at our ancestor altar. And we make sure they get coffee. Mm-hmm. And if we forget, it seems like, that's not a good thing to forget. Yeah. Now, whether that's them or that's just us in our subconscious, I don't know, but it is interesting how, I mean, by the very nature of the word rituals, these rituals and, and these routines take place and then you you get in that habit and when you don't do something, you feel like you've left something out of your routine or your day. Yeah, it mm-hmm. helps to
0: create structure. It yeah. helps to create a rhythm, a pattern that is intentional and... uh Allows us to sort of measure the hours of our life with with a sense of purpose. And, you know, if nothing else, it helps us to sort of organize what we're thinking about for our day and, and set clearer intentions.
2: Did I say I add a tear altar too? Yes,
0: you did. <laughs> I can't forget
1: tear. He'd be pissed. You certainly <laughs> mentioned tear.
3: Seriously, I'll throw a question out. Yeah, do you guys speak to deities like in a formal manner, or is it just
1: how oh. we're speaking to each other? I, I always speak out loud. The reason for that is because when you lock things away in your head, they are immutable and changeable. Once you have spoken them, they find form, and that form is a word um, and once you if you, if you try and keep it all inside and I have done this, I know you know you you, you walk away from an argument and you think about all the things you could have said, mm-hmm. but you don't say them you know. And when you form your voice into words, it sets them, in my opinion, in the cosmos. And in doing that, it creates something. You've created a word. You've done magic just by speaking Mm aloud. That said, my tone with deities can be very conversational like this, or it can be very formal. And it really depends on what I'm doing, how I'm interacting, and how i feel i should speak
0: mm-hmm.
1: um it's most likely to be somewhere in between conversation and heavy liturgy
2: well i think you have that relationship with uh your boss or your grandparents or an elder you may have very con conversational tones sometimes and you know sometimes you don't whether that's your Initiating a, a more formal tone, or perhaps a clue by four, in a stern talking to from from them.
0: Clue by four. Oh, I'm stealing that. That's so, good. So
2: yeah, I, and I'm unlike Mike. I don't. I, I, I tend to want to say something out loud, which yeah. probably gives people along High Street something to look out. when I'm at the front of the store here at our altar, talking out loud, and there's no one around,
0: but I just figure, hey, it's Clintonville. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Seriously, it's Clintonville, come on now Yes, It's not the weirdest thing that happens in Clintonville By a long shot You know, I um, I really like this Notion of speaking Something out loud to give it form To yeah, shift it <laughs> Yeah, to shift it from What's mutable, unborn, right? Yeah, mutable and changeable within the realm of thought To expressed And set In time and space through word And that is probably going to change my mind about a couple of things, to be completely honest with you, because I tend to have these conversations in thought. Mm -hmm. But I've been noticing that voice is coming up in my magical practice a lot more. I've started incorporating singing, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a big deal for me on a lot of levels. But also for example, last night when the cats were harassing me to do magic, one of the things that I incorporated was an Orphic hymn that my friend Sherry had sent to me um, to engage my my storm deities. She sent me the Orphic hymn to Jupiter and it, it's formal because it's written to be formal. Mm-hmm. But I found that even though I had to speak relatively quietly because the rest of the house was sleeping, um, I still felt a sense of force, Um, there was was resonance, and even in that quiet, there was something. There was something that really did resonate. It was a
2: declaration, right? It's a real Mm -hmm. firm
0: declaration, and the words themselves are exceedingly powerful. I mean, I cold read it, you know, I didn't give myself... the the chance to the cats didn't give me the chance to really rehearse it ahead of time but like you're reading these words and they're coming out and you're speaking them and you're like yes yes (laughs) i found myself so passionately agreeing Mm -hmm. with what was being said it was um the synchronicity of it and and all of it just really came together so i think i'm going to take those those moments and those hints and put them together with what Mike said in this conversation tonight and begin to more intentionally incorporate the spoken word rather than let things just be silently in my head.
2: I will will say one more thing, on it. I know we're running long. Another reason to speak out loud is because it's like practicing the guitar in your basement or in your bedroom. It's giving you a voice that you will learn and be comfortable with should you choose to do public rituals so that when you are in front of people, you will now have that vocabulary and that cadence and that confidence because you have spoken before. It isn't the first time you will be going, you know, I call it Thor, son, protector of Midgard, warm hater, thunderer. You know, you will have that vocabulary because you will have used it before. Right. And and that's I think very important for anybody who wants to do public ritual. Yeah,
0: yeah, good call. What's your usual way of going
3: about it? Um, I definitely speak out loud, but I never thought about it like with that intention before, so I'm gonna start doing that as well. But yeah, I'd like to speak out loud and um like with the it's different, I guess, the personality or the energy I feel. Because I have like this prayer to a Lego that I do, and it's very formal. It starts off like vital force, you know, like to call something a vital force. And then, but then we also smoke together, and then it's chill, you know. <laughs> so it, that it seems very up.
0: appropriate, doesn't it? Like the mm-hmm. duality. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, this is so neat. <laughs> Just so like inspired by, by all these different practices and ways of, of approaching it. Well, cool, you guys. Thank you so much for a really engaging conversation on the, uh, on the topic of personal altars and on uh, addressing spirits. Ha, <laughs> ha,